Hey guys, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. Uh, I am your host, Greg Dietz, and with me, my co-host, Josh Fisher. Hey, everybody. Um, if you're new to the show, welcome, first and foremost. But secondly, we are an internet streaming review and discussion podcast. Basically, what we do is we watch in a show, we watch two shows in their entirety, and uh, we then discuss and review them. Um... The uh, uh, the great thing about doing the show at the moment right now is that I, I chose the perfect co-host because Josh here has been working his ass off on making things really, really great for the podcast. So if there's a place where you want to listen to us, like let's say you're on YouTube, but you'd rather have listened to us on iTunes, you absolutely can at this point. Um, <clears throat> there are plenty of places to find us. Um, I will list them off in just a moment, but also, real quick, if you have a suggestion, if there's a place for uh, a, a home for a podcast that, that you like to listen to that we don't know about, contact us. Let us know. We will be happily to to go there and see what we can do to to, to facilitate our podcast on that site um, or platform, whatever it may be. Uh, you can contact us directly on our email. It's uh, allcuedupodcast at gmail dot com. Fairly simple, um, but you can also contact us. Via our Twitter account, which is queued up podcast or at queued up podcast, you can contact us uh, via our Facebook page. Just search for all queued up podcast. We have a WordPress site you can contact us on all queued up podcast dot wordpress dot com. Um, and uh, just to kind of list off the places we're on, we're on Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. Um, so yeah, there's just there's a, a myriad of way to find myriads myriad of ways to find us. Uh, did not sound right in my head. Also, these are all the places in which you can suggest a show, request to be a guest on the show, because we'd love to have a third third insight on an episode. Um, and we can fac- facilitate to your schedule too, if need be. Um, but if you have questions, if you want to know our history, if you want to know uh, what. Josh and I are thinking about certain other things because we we are men of many tastes, um, and internet streaming platform via Netflix, YouTube Red, uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, what else is there? Hulu. Josh? Hulu. Thank you. Um, we also I I play lots of video games, <laughs> a lot of video games. Um, I do enjoy. Uh, some comic books here and there. I know Josh is really into toys and video games on occasion. Oh, yes. But, um, but if you'd like to hear our thoughts on those, that's where you could ask questions. Plus, our WordPress site's going to be of a brain dump for us. So that being said, guys, again, thank you so much. I will run down that stuff at the end of the episode, too, if you didn't quite catch it. Um, but I also want to give a quick warning. The shows that we discuss on this show are not always family-friendly. <laughs> Uh, they have heavy themes, and we do discuss spoilers in their entirety. Um, we don't hold anything back, so if spoilers are something you do not want to hear and you need to not listen to the podcast, feel free to come back after you listen. Um, uh, but yeah, so that being said, guys, uh, today's episode we are going to be discussing... Uh, oh, before ace. before we go into that, just let oh. them know... At the end of the show, they definitely want to stick around for a major announcement. Yes. I totally forgot to mention that. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, we have a, an enormous, an enormous announcement 
well, that was a bit of a tongue twister, at the end of the episode. Um, yes, that is our way to, in a sense, clickbait you to listen to the whole episode. Um, <clears throat> I like to be a little bit more transparent. <laughs> uh, it does have something to do with the episode we are going to be covering, uh, and it is a pretty, pretty major big announcement. So please, yeah. yes, stick around. Um, <clears throat> or at the very least, you know, fast forward to the end of the episode. Uh, it's your discretion. Uh, again, jokes. Ha 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 ha, I'm a funny guy. Um, <laughs> anywho, now that I'm done rambling and talking about us, uh, let's get into the show. So the first show we're going to discuss today is End of the Fucking World. Uh, which, by the way, has asterisks on the U and the K, uh, the C in the word fucking. Uh, but the other the other show we're going to be discussing a little bit later is Black Mirror Season 4. Now, because the show is an anthology, we're giving 10-minute discussions on each episode and 10 minutes to end of the fucking world. So, that being said, since this is going to be a little bit longer of an episode, let's get right into it. Alright, so, uh, End of the Fucking World is a um, dark comedy where a young man who thinks he might be a psychopath because he's been killing animals for so long uh, decides he wants to actually kill a human. And the human that he chooses, he ends up, in a sense, falling in love with. Um, any more information about the show I'm missing there, Josh? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, he's uh, both are 17 in high school. He is a loner, keeps to himself. Uh, she is a edgy rebellious moody girl she's new in town and she wants to connect with somebody who is different she seeks him out and he seeks her out as his potential prey yep and that's yeah pretty much they embark on a road trip uh because she's in search of her father yeah, she's she's in search for her father. She's tired of living at home with her with her mother, who doesn't clearly care about her, and her stepfather, who's a piece of shit. Oh, um, huge piece of shit! Absolutely, like he he's uh. There's a moment where I think he like is insinuating having sex with her. Yeah, um, he clearly which is disgusting. He clearly uh, has hinted around about inappropriate relations with her. But also talks down to her in such a manner that the already um, lack of any affection from her mother was the straw that broke the camel's back that made her want to leave. He's like, you know what? Just leave. You'll be doing everybody a favor. We don't want you here anyway. So she's like, well, you know what? Fuck you. I'm gone. So that's pretty much what prompted her to go to James. Um and say, hey, let's get out of here. Your dad's got a car. Let's go. Yeah, and that was like that. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, comedy. Like like I said, it's a dark comedy. So there's a lot of. It's also British. It's a British comedy. Super British. Super British. And I love uh, that about it. Um, I didn't expect that. Again, another like, hey, Greg chose, an ep- chose a show because he liked the premise and then found out it was actually British or, like, not American. Um, that's the thing about this show, guys, is until we start getting, like, proper suggestions for episodes, uh, I'm just going to keep picking things that I like the synopsis of. <laughs> uh, but, 
Um, I really, you know what, I really enjoyed what this show tried to do. Um, to me, one of the things I thought of while watching it was that it felt like uh, if Wes Anderson were to make uh, an origin tale of, like, Dexter, is what it felt like. Hmm. Um, it's just the way that, like, the, the dark comedy of it, the, the dryness of it, felt very Wes Anderson-y. Uh, but on top of that, like, it, it also felt as if it was trying to, um... How do I say this? Not necessarily be funny in a direct funny way. Like a lot of a lot of dry comedy or a lot of not dry comedy, but a lot of dark comedy is like directly like this is what's comedy. This is what's funny. Um, and it's funny, it's it's that it's that anti humor sort of thing. Here though, like it's direct. Like there's there's a scene where they wreck the car. <laughs> the the James steals his father's car and they're in it <laughs> and she starts trying to take off his his like shirt. That's why they wreck the car. <laughs> Right, which causes the which causes them to wreck the car, and they get out and they're staring at it, just going, "What do we do now?" And he's like, "Is it going to explode?" She's like, "It's not a movie," and and then in the very beginning of the next episode, it blows up. Like it's that kind of direct comedy that that a lot of other dark comedy doesn't really have. Not not explodes um, so much as just catches fire, like you know, if there's fuel on the yeah. engine manifold, it will catch fire like that. Right. Right. But the po- the point I'm getting at is like there's a there's an obvious setup and an obvious punchline. What I loved Whereas about I like- that right after is they they make their way to the main road out of the woods and they're trying to hitchhike and somebody goes by and he's standing there with his shirt off and he's like nobody's stopping. She's like well, you got your tits out. Who wants to pick up a weirdo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the f- kind of funny that is the direct humor. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, there's also like, there's also the classic, you know, Wes Anderson dry, um, dark humor stuff, which is, uh, like the hitchhiker picks him up and he seems like a cool dude, regardless of the fact he's trying to find a, or buy a dog to, to, uh, put into a, um, dog fighting. What is that called? Dog fighting, thank you. Uh, which makes him a bit of a piece of shit, but then like, you're like, okay, that's his piece of shit angle. That's what makes him a, a shitty person. And then you look at the other side, which is, like, he then tries to, like, force James to jack him off or maybe go further than that. And you're just like, oh my god, this guy's even a bigger piece of shit. Um, So there's little things like that. Or, like, the house that they start to squat in, they discover that that guy in that house is also a serial killer. Which, that kind of shit is hilarious to me. Like... It's not funny that the guy's a serial killer. It's the irony of, of the situation is, is very funny to me. And uh, that's personally what I loved about the show. I, of course, can't speak for you, Josh. Well, I mean, I, I love the whole... I love British humor. Uh, I love dry humor. Um, I also love uh, coming-of-age tales. And this really is, you know, it's a journey about self-discovery. Um, yeah. James, he believes he's a psychopath. But when he encounters and when they're squatting in this house of this man, he finds the evidence of this man's crimes. He realizes, I'm not a psychopath. This is disgusting. Right. This is revolting. And 
Yeah, because he, he, he ends up killing the guy. He ends up killing the guy because the guy's trying to force himself onto Alyssa. And he knew that, okay, this guy has raped and murdered college girls in the past. And he happened to be hiding under the bed. And stabs the dude right in the jugular with his hunting knife. And then immediately becomes sickened at what he's done, but realized I did this for the right reasons. And I think that, like, that kind of stuff right there is what makes the, you know, coming-of-age tale kind of stand out. Um, Because it's immediately, like, it's funny. It's funny that the house they decide to squat in is the house of a serial killer. That's comedy. And then immediately after that, like, the coming of age, oh shit, I just actually killed another human and I hate it. That's the kind of, like, that's what really made this show stand out. And to further make it stand out, when they finally meet up with Alyssa's father. And something about the show that I thought was really important to note is that every adult that they come in contact with, every fucking adult, is kind of a piece of shit. With the exception of the security guard that she encountered, yeah. Uh, security guard she encountered? Yeah, when she was, when they were separated briefly and she started having her um, oh, yeah, yeah, monthly yeah, 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 gotcha. uh, menstrual cycle and she went to shoplift some panties. Yeah, I got you. Well, the reason I was saying that like all the adults were pieces of shit is because like something for her that was important to grow up with is that expectations are never going to be met and the expectation she had of what her father was turned out to be awful a complete 180 of what he actually was yeah yeah Uh, i have to say though james's dad wasn't a total piece of shit he was just a socially awkward goofy dad he was naive as hell he was naive as hell and made lots of dad jokes because he didn't know how to relate to his kid because you know his kids closed off from everything uh and you find out why is because when he was you know um seven years old he witnesses his mother kill himself right in front of him and that's the moment where he went from being a happy innocent kid to okay am i a psychopath yeah it was both of them had discovery and um both of them had extreme growth. You know, he just he discovered he's not a psychopath. He discovered that, um, like there's things worth living for and and worth things worth dying for. She discovered that just because I have expectations on certain adults doesn't mean that all of them are bad or that all humans are bad or or whatever. You know, she 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 had her individual growth too, and I think. I'm really excited to see if there's a season two. I'm really excited to see where the show could go. I don't know if there will be because it's based on a graphic novel. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, mean, well, I, mean, I don't have any prior knowledge of the graphic novel, but it might be a one-shot standalone. I don't know. It might. I mean, it ends It ends very ambiguously. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely screen fades to black. Draw your own conclusion as to what just happened. Right, right. So... Uh, Josh, why don't you go ahead and give your recommendation on this one? Uh, it's good. It's good. I was a little disappointed in the open-ended, ambiguous ending. Uh, but it's a very good, very enjoyable 
Very short show, eight episodes. They're about 20 minutes average. So you can knock this out in the time it would take you to watch a regular movie. About two hours. Um, but it's very good. Uh, very well written. You don't get a lot of screen time with ancillary characters. But in a, you get just enough of what you need uh, from those characters that helps keep the story moving along. So, yeah, uh, worth a watch. I really enjoyed it. If I were to apply a number to it, I'd give it a solid seven. <laughs> uh, for me, it was it was just okay. I mean, I, I, I understand what they were going for. Like I said, it felt very, like, Wes Anderson-y um, in a lot of moments. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, like, the, the pacing of the show was a bit too slow for me. Um... I felt like some of the stuff they were like very uh, Seinfeld. They're like, "Isn't this ironic?" Ba 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 da ba. And I was like, "Okay, I get it. I get what you're going for." Uh, so that kind of that soured it a little bit for me. But overall, it wasn't it wasn't unentertaining. I didn't I didn't disenjoy the show. I I, I watched the whole thing and and had fun watching it. Um, I just there was moments that I disconnected from, and uh, because of that. I give it a soft recommendation. Uh, it's it's like I said, it's a very short show, which made it very palatable. It's eight episodes that are twenty minutes apiece. I think there's a one that's even shorter than twenty twenty minutes. Pardon me. Yeah, um, I think the shortest one's about eighteen minutes, and the longest one was twenty two. Yeah, so it's a very quick watch. It's a it's if you're looking for like, you know, you and the missus or girlfriend are trying to or hell boyfriend or husband. I don't care. I, whatever. Um, but if you guys are trying to find a couple movies to watch one night and you can't, this is definitely a, a decent one. Um, so yeah, uh, don't they check out the show, but you know, don't put it in high regard, if you will. Like there's other shows that are better. Oh yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to move on to Black Mirror season four. So like I said, the show is an anthology. So each episode, meaning, meaning by anthology, each episode is its own individual story. They don't interconnect. They don't have anything to do with one another directly. Um, so we're going to discuss each episode uh, individually. Uh, starting with the first one, which is called USS Callister. Um, so the show starts off with a clear parody of, of Star Trek. Um, and it seems like the captain's a bit of a dick, and then it goes into the real world. And it turns out that this particular Star Trek-y type show was all part of a computer program uh, that uh, a, uh, this particular guy, the main character, works for. Uh, I'm terrible with names, by the way, guys, so I'm just going to say the guy. Bob. Um, Robert Daly. Thank you, Bob, yes. Uh, I'm the facts guy. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it turns out, long story short, it turns out that his entire life is him being berated and talked down to. And so with this program he created, which I can't remember the name of the program. Uh, the, uh, the program itself, um, I do believe, was called Infinity. It was a video game. Yes, uh, a video game that he had created. And it was full immersion. Uh, you basically put this little disc on your temple and reclined in a chair, and it was full VR, your mind, 
is in this game. Uh, yeah. And Everything that's something show, to keep about about this show. Everything is set in the not too distant future. Uh, exactly. There, exactly. you're like dealing with technology, realistic. dealing with technology that is believable and realistic, but yet not yet realized. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the whole series is like that. Like all of Black Mirror is like that. Uh, just to clarify that part. But the 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 thing that like that's so interesting about this is that it turns out that that Bob is a bit of a sociopath. And uh, what he's been doing is taking the taking things that people have put their mouths on that he that have crossed him, he uploads their entire consciousness into the into the game that he's created and then tortures them via this Star Trek like parody. Um, yeah, he, he collects their DNA and is able to replicate a digital clone uh, and uploads those digital clones into the game world. And right. it's it's just a mod, um, and he's got complete control over it. It is demented as hell. Yeah, Because like, like he said, is like he, very he's... mild-mannered and meek in his real life. Well, that's what that's what I thought was so brilliant about the, the theming of this show was that he is absolutely, in, in all intents and purposes, a sociopath. Yeah. He cares little for other people. He thinks that other people owe him like things in general, which that's clear. Um, but he created a, a, a safe space, if you will, for him to be a sociopath without risking everything. Unfortunately, he uploaded the wrong consciousness into the computer program, which was a new girl that was just signed on who knew his code. Knew his code very well. And she initiated a bunch of things that basically killed Robert Daly at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, but here's here's the clincher. Here's the thing that's so fascinating about it. Nobody in the episode that is an actual human being was injured or hurt other than Robert Daly. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. Nobody died except for Robert Daly. Um, the only people that were in danger or the only people that were of interest, if you will, were the AI. Yeah. So, so, the, so the show begs the question, you know, can, can AI become so sentient that they uh, essentially have a consciousness like a human? And in this instance, the AI caused the death of a human. I mean, the human was responsible for this AI. So, you know, he created the conundrum himself. But it it was a fascinating look. Yes, I mean that's another question to to ask right there is is like in this in this particular thing, you know, normally when we see AI gain sentience and kill a human, we're against the AI. We're we're trained to go, Oh, the AI is the bad guy. Yeah, you're automatically thinking Skynet, Terminator, okay, bad. Here, however, we sympathize with the AI. Especially especially Walton and his son. Yeah, absolutely. So to clarify that one, what uh, if you want if you want to clarify that, that bit of the story, Josh, just to <clears throat> Well basically uh, Bob and this guy Walton started this program together because Walton recognized Bob's genius in coding and creating. However, he recognized Bob didn't have any social skills, so he needed to be the mouthpiece. And they started this company, and basically, 
Bob's kind of still in the same place, and even though they're supposed to be equals, Walton kind of talks down and berates and shits all over him. Uh, everybody in the office does. And as a result, the, he's taken and created the digital clones of everyone, and he lords over them. And what he did with Bob, because, uh, what Bob did with Walton, in the beginning it was just the two of them. Walton wouldn't break. So what Bob did is real-life Walton brought his six-year-old son Tommy to the office to show him everything off, and he had a lollipop. He lays the lollipop down, Bob takes the lollipop home, puts it in his DNA scanner, replicates a digital clone of Tommy, uploads him, and Walton sees his son, and then Bob grabs him by the collar and throws him out the airlock of the fucking ship and kills this digital clone of Tommy. Now here's the thing, these these digital clones realize that they are digital clones, but they know that if they die, a new one can be brought back. And they have all the recollections of all their real-world memories. However... Up to that point, at least. Up to that point, yes. Uh, however, their pain is still real. Their pain is just as legit as it, if, if they were a real living being. So that is the yeah. wonderful when, philosophical when girl, aspects that it raises. Yeah, like the, the, there's uh, the first time that the girl uh, that he's like pining after, that Robert in real life is pining yeah, after. Yeah, Nanette. Uh, Nanette, thank you. He puts her in the machine and uh, she meets up with the crew and they're just kind of like, here's the deal, here's what it is. It sucks, but welcome to hell. Um, she she wants to fight it, so she immediately starts fighting it as soon as Robert comes into the, uh, into the game. And... Uh, he completely like takes away her face to where she can't breathe she can't see um and uh she can't speak anything yeah and she's basically suffocating but not dying yeah she can't die because robert doesn't want her to die he won't allow it but he can also go even further than that and uh force people who want to fight against him to be the monsters in his story so like there's, the like I said, the guy is a sociopath, like uh, like textbook sociopath, and uh, I, I that's that's the thing I liked about it the most, Josh. Like that's the thing that I really really dug and 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 enjoyed was the the Star Trek parody part was really fun, but it was the aspect of like of we're siding we're sympathizing with the AI here. We're sympathizing with something that is not real. Um. And I, I, the reason I find this fascinating is because we play, I play video games all the time. And, uh, I'm sure that you do too. But even let, like, I mean, we can go even further than that and talk about, like, cartoons or, or just things that aren't real as a whole. And we immediately sympathize with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I was playing Mass Effect 2 and I accidentally got Tali killed, it destroyed me. Like, I had to stop playing the game for a while because I was so upset about it. You got Tali killed? Not- Yes, yes. We're not gonna, we're just gonna move past it because it's still upsetting. But that's my point. I sympathize with something that's not real with an AI, right then and there. And this particular episode of Black Mirror was like, let's do that again, but in a different context. And I was just like, this is awesome. This is absolutely fantastic to me. So I I found that to be deeply gratifying. And I felt the payoff of the episode was really, really well done. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
Uh, anytime you see somebody get their just comeuppance, but in a totally creative way, I'm all for it. Yeah, because he wasn't he wasn't killed directly. Like basically, uh, through an update, the system of Infinity had found his like closed off space that the firewall couldn't detect. But as soon as the update came in, the firewall did detect it and deleted his space, his area. Which, in turn, deleted his brain. But here's the thing, too. You don't know if it deleted his brain entirely or not, but however, he can't disengage from the game. So even if he didn't die in that moment, he has no friends. And they are on a 10-day Christmas holiday that started that day. So he will die before uh, that breaks over, before anybody would ever even realize he's gone. Exactly. So Um, either way... We're gonna we're gonna actually move on to the next episode. So we're not gonna do recommendation until at the end of the sixth episode. Just just to clarify, Josh. No problem. Um, so the next episode is called Archangel. Mm-hmm. Um, Archangel's storyline is basically what if being a helicopter parent took itself to an extreme. What I mean by this is uh, this woman's daughter, which by the way just. We're gonna get into it, Josh. But the opening shot of the birth oh. was so brilliant. It was so brilliant. <laughs> but I'll get to I'll, I'll get to why in a moment here. Um. So, uh, the mom like loses her daughter when she's like four or five years old, maybe younger. Three now. years old. Oh, three years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. She she yeah she goes and chases a cat, and no, they can't find her. They eventually do find her. She you know the mom's freaking out. So they go to this company named Archangel. Which puts an implant basically behind the eye of the child, in in you know that that we're talking about here, or just whatever child in general, and the parent now has a tablet which they can have a GPS location, they can monitor what the child sees and hears, like literally blurring and muffling the sound, um, but even go to the vital readouts, vital yeah I was yeah. Um, which that one, that one didn't bother me. It was like, oh, if I could have an implant in my child that showed like health stuff, that'd be great. But everything else, like I was like, no. Nah. Uh, but the the worst one was the being able to see what your child sees. Mm-hmm. Um, and Absolutely. this of course backfired because my first thought the second they did this was like, what happens when she becomes a teenager? Uh-huh. That was my immediate first thought. And that's basically what this entire episode is about. It's about the daughter coming to terms with the fact that her mom is still using this power, and um, it it backfires on the mom big time. Uh, that being said, this was my least favorite episode. <laughs> yeah, it was my least favorite as well, although it wasn't a bad episode. It's just... Actually, second to least. Sorry, th- second to least. This, this, uh, this weirded me out as a parent. You know, oh, I bet. Uh, as a parent, I'm not a helicopter dad. Misty is not a helicopter mom. We give Madison, I mean, we want to keep her safe, but we give her a lot of free reign to do things, let, let her figure stuff out. You know, I'm the kind of dad's like, don't touch the stove. And then they reach up again. It's like, all right, touch it. You'll find out. You know, I'm that kind of dad. It's like, I tell you no, you do it. You find out the consequences. You learn from it. And uh, this this mom, Marie, is not like that at all. She uses this tablet 
to observe pretty much her daughter's every waking moment whether she's at work or at home and her daughter's doing something she's got this tablet on and she's looking at it from the age of three until the age of nine so for six years she's used this thing until her daughter one day if this boy at school's saying oh yeah you know I was watching this video and shows this guy getting beat down and his head gets busted open and blood goes everywhere. The girl has realized she's never seen blood before. And he describes it as thick red juice. She's trying to draw blood and all of a sudden the parental blocks causes it to blur her vision. So she begins to stab herself in the hand with a sharp pencil just so she can see blood and she can't see it. And that's when her mother rushes in. And they say, well, you know, this program, it wasn't approved in Europe and they're discontinuing it in the States here in the fall. Just throw the tablet away. Turn off the parental controls. Throw the tablet away. She'll be fine. No worries. Until six years later. <laughs> right. And... and what sparks the mom to use the tablet again is when she tries, like, she, she wants to contact her daughter because she thinks her daughter's staying the night at her friend's house. Mm-hmm. But, of course, like teenagers tend to do, like I know I did, like I know many, 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 many friends who did, you lie to your parent, you say you're going to one location, but you're actually going to, like, a party or you're going, you're going out with a bunch of friends. Like, it happens. And I think every teenager goes through it. If not... A lot, a lot of teenagers go through it. You know, I, um, oddly enough, I only did that a couple of times, but I never went to a party. Um, I would uh, go and play ball. I'd go and play basketball. I'd tell my mom, I'm going over to so-and-so's, and then I'd go downtown and play ball for hours. That was it. <laughs> but but, but yeah, ex- the point, the the point, point is, is lying, lying to your parent. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, is, 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 in a sense, rebelling, but not directly, you know? And and the daughter is like really it loves her mom like they get they get along really well. oh they have a wonderful um, relationship you know and from the age of three years old she was always making her daughter a which, strawberry smoothie every morning which brings me to the point of the episode I hate the most they have a strong relationship the mother starts spying on her daughter as a fifteen sixteen year old girl and I want to say fifteen yeah fifteen fifteen um and. Uh, it's not until the the mom spikes the strawberry smoothie mm. with um, anti-pregnancy pills because the tablet told her her daughter's now pregnant. And uh, the daughter freaks the fuck out. The mom comes home, and the, then the daughter goes... We, like, it's weird. The daughter just starts beating the crap out of her mom with the tablet. It made no sense to the character development. Uh... Like, Actually, dude, I think it made perfect sense, but go ahead. I say it didn't make sense because I don't think that the girl would have gone to that extreme um, in regards to the situation at hand, especially with their relationship. The The entire episode builds their relationship as very strong, very uh, mother-daughter, like there's nothing that could really break them, yada, 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 so on and so forth. So I assumed that the daughter was going to just run away. But instead, she beats the shit out of her mom with the tablet. And then runs away. And I'm like, what? where did the violence come from? Like, that doesn't, that made no sense to me. The violence oh. made no sense to oh, me. Oh, it made absolute perfect sense to me. One, think back to your teenage years. 
it was easy to go into a rage. At least it was for me. Um, you've got a girl who's not had, for the first half of her life, any type of normal life. She, until the age of nine, was not exposed to a lot of things that cause stress and anxiety. So she had the cognitive reasoning of dealing with stress and anxiety of a three-year-old in a lot of instances. Then everything is thrust upon her. And, you know, she is experiencing uh, her first real crush, her first relationship. She's trying things out, trying to be her own person, find out who she is. And her mother interferes with that. Once again, her mother is taking away what she wants as a normal life. Then her mother basically forces an abortion on her by spiking her smoothie with a morning after pill. That's enough to make somebody whose mind is not as rational as a developed adult mind, who's also uh, a, you know, very emotional at that age, it made perfect sense for her to snap. And also, she's like, you've destroyed my life with this tablet. I'm going to destroy this tablet and your life, and you're never going to see me again. That's why it made sense to me. She's like, you will never have the means to be able to find me or see me again because you cared more about this fucking tablet than you did me. I totally get that. I understand exactly what you're saying. What doesn't make sense to me, Josh, is the continuous beating. She hits her mom, like, they're wrestling over it. She accidentally hits her mom in the head with it, like, through the struggle, through the wrestling of it. And then just, like, continues to beat the hell out of her. And it just, it was it was so, so bizarre to me. Adrenaline, man. You ever been in a fight? I've been in plenty of fights. I've, I've, fought, I've fought my brothers. I've stood up to my both of my parents. Um, trust me, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And from a teenager's perspective, you're not wrong. You're absolutely correct on the idea that as a teenager, your your hormones and your and your anger and your rage can get out of control. They absolutely can. But even in those moments, even in those moments where I may or may not have lost control, where. Uh, I, um, you know, stood up to my father and tried to punch him. There were still moments of, like, pullback, of withdrawal. And this was a moment where she wasn't doing that at all. Yeah. I felt like she would have hit her mom, like, a couple times and then been like, fuck, I hit my mom, I need to just run. But she, like, beat her a lot. <laughs> like, she hit her, like, at least ten times. Mm-hmm. And... And that to me was I was it, it just really really like soured the story for me. Yeah, yeah, I um, understand that. Uh, I I don't know, man. Like the other part that I think we got to move on in a minute here, but the other part that I really I really didn't like about it was the way that it was portrayed. Like communication didn't exist between two people that live to live with each other in this regard, like. There was no talking about it. The mom just did things, and then the daughter just did things. And to me, it seemed odd that two people who were supposed to have such a close relationship didn't talk. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I get the idea. I get, I get what they're going for. Like, being a helicopter parent is not a good thing. 
and you have to let your kids express who they are and there's the danger of potentially in the future um, going to the extent of putting implants in child's brains to be a further helicopter parent. Um, I, get, I get the message, but at the same time, I just feel the story was clumsily told. Yeah, and I get that completely. Like I said, um, it was my least favorite episode out of the group. So, But yeah, um, enough about that one. So we're moving on to Crocodile. Oh. Uh, Crocodile is is fascinating because most of Black Mirror is the uh, like technology gone wrong. Here, not so much. <laughs> uh, so it starts off with with two young people who are clearly intoxicated either with alcohol, with other drugs. Hard to tell. Hard, who cares? Point is, they accidentally hit a biker, kill the biker, and then dispose of the body like he never existed, and then lived many years without talking about it. Until one day where the woman is on a conference, like, tour thing, if you will. Um, the guy basically comes to her and says, I am, I've been alcohol-free for nine years. And uh, I'm going to, I'm you know, like, I found a newspaper clipping where the woman, the, the wife of the guy that we killed, um, the guy the wife I killed, She's been living in that same house and hasn't moved on because she's still waiting for him to come back. And I can't handle it and I have to tell her. So the woman that he was with, the woman that's the main character in the episode, she's like, no, you can't tell anybody. And then ends up killing him. Um, at this exact same moment, there's a pizza del- an automated pizza delivery truck outside. Or car. Mm-hmm. Whatever. If, if you looked at news recently, Pizza Hut's trying to do this. Um, which made people uneasy after watching this episode, which I was like, yeah, but it wasn't about the truck going bad. Like, it wasn't all of a sudden it's throwing out frozen pizzas like Frisbees and chopping people's heads off. <laughs> um, it just it just accidentally hits a guy who comes out in front of it really quickly. Like, you know, like, even if it was, like, if it was another driver, it would <laughs> the driver would have hit the guy because he, he, like, he jetted out right in front of it. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't paying uh, attention, and there was just no way to stop that. Exactly. So um, what she ends up doing, what the woman ends up doing is taking the guy, putting him in like a um, a delivery cart for a hotel room, and then dumping him into what I think was molten. Yeah, it looked molten, like a uh, smelter yeah. at a construction site. It looked like a smelter to uh, melt down metal. Um, yeah, that's, that was my guess. So... Then she she goes home, and while she's home, there's another character, this woman, who is, um, she's working for the insurance company. Or at least I think it's an insurance company. Yeah, yeah. She seemed to be some type of uh, insurance claims adjuster, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was assuming. Um, And in this particular future, uh, they have things where you can put a disc on your temple, very, very similar to the thing that was in the USS Callister. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and recall your memories. Um, yeah, I think they called it a memory dredger, and uh, the one guy referred to it as a dredger, and she's like, we like to call them collaborators. Right, right. So um, so she goes to the guy that got hit, and he remembers specific things, but specifically a woman's face. So then the claims adjuster goes to that woman. The woman then remembers a flash being taken at, the, at a building up top, so then she figures out where that building is, which was a dentist. And the flash came from a camera that he had where he was trying to take a picture of another dude. And the dentist uh, 
like he felt embarrassed by it, but whatever. Uh, but in the in the picture that the dentist took, or at least in the memory, he remember he there's there's the lady, the main character, she's standing in the window of the hotel room right after killing the guy. And uh yeah, she saw the accident happen in real time, and she happened to be the only one that did. So now this insurance right. uh, claim agent is trying to track her down. Exactly. So, um, so this the the claims insurance insurance lady then like is is looking f- like with a face finder sort of thing on her computer, and she tells her husband like, well, she's just for- like finds her, tells her husband like, well, she's just forty fifty minutes away. I'll go there, do the thing, come back, it'll be fine. And he's like, all right, fine, whatever. So she heads out there, does the memory, tries to do the memory thing on, on the killer woman, but the machine totally gets everything the woman's done. The claims, the claims insurance lady sees the killing, the killing in the past, uh, the hiding of the body, like, they're just freaking out in general. So the, the woman tries to leave really quick, but the car won't start. Classic horror movie stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and long story short, the lady ties her up, uh, gets, gets the memory of the fact that the claims insurance lady told her husband. So then the woman kills the claim insurance lady, then goes to the, that lady's house, kills her husband in the bathtub, and as she's leaving... She hears their baby cry. The final shot, which was fucking just unnerving, was her standing in front of the baby's crib while this baby is crying. Mm-hmm. It then cuts to her. It then cuts to her pulling up in front of her child's elementary school. She gets out, um, like nothing's wrong, but she's clearly drinking a lot, or drinking a lot, drank a lot, whatever. Oh yeah, of wine. It then cuts back to the hotel room, and there's two cops standing over the crib, just going, "Who kills a baby?" And I was like, "Oh my god, she actually did it! She actually killed the baby!" And you find out like, they say the baby was blind, so there was I no just, need. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the here's the clincher. In the very beginning of the episode, when you see the insurance lady for the first time, her husband puts a hamster inside her in, in the room to put inside the baby's room. And sure enough, the hamster saw everything. So the recaller was able to be used on the hamster, and then the last shot of the show is her is the mom applauding her son on stage at the school show while the cops are coming in to arrest her. I absolutely loved this episode. <laughs> it was very disturbing. Because, you know, she wouldn't have done any of this in the be- to begin with had the guy she was with that hit the biker not disposed of the body. Had he just, you know, I made a mistake. I made a terrible mistake. But she, she uh, kicking and screaming, she still went along with his plan. And that's what caused this chain of events. And it's just... It was it was amazing to me the lengths that somebody will go to protect their happiness at the expense of yeah. others. Yeah, that was the crazy thing was that she wasn't doing it for any other gain than to not be a killer, like not to like she was killing to not be found out as a as a killer. She was doing it to not not to protect her family because at the end of the day, her husband and son will be fine. 
I mean, they'll have to live with the fact that their mom's a serial killer to this extent. Um, but, uh, she, um, yeah, she was doing it to, to protect herself, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Protect her reputation, her standing in life, and this and that, and, mm. But it was just, I love the way that it was told, like, through the memories of different characters, and, and just the horrific ending. I mean, this woman legit killed four people, including a toddler. Yep. She just yeah. to preserve so her own happiness. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was disturbing and gross. Don't get me wrong, but like that's what makes a story like this so impactful, in my opinion. You know, like she, the woman, is to to an extent is relatable. Like, I think everyone can relate to the fact that you would protect what you have. If, Josh, you know, you found out that somebody could take you away from Misty and Madison, would you not try to stop that? I honestly cannot answer that question. Well, I'm not saying kill people. Well, no, I'm saying, like... I mean, I don't know what lengths that I would sure, go to. Sure, sure, but, but if there was a length that you felt like you could take, you would take it. It depends on the situation, of course, but I, I mean, know, Josh, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> answer the damn question like I'm giving it to you. I got morals, no, I, man. I, but that's but I, well, of course, of course. Um, I'm saying, like, you know, if if there was a situation that you didn't have to, you know, like it fit within your moral compass. Uh, I mean, she because she she's the extreme of what I'm referring to. She's she's the She's the opposite end of, I don't say opposite end, but she's definitely the, uh, the extreme. She's the extreme to the measurement. She's, you know, if, if somebody was to take me away from what I currently love and I saw that there might be a way out of it, I'd probably attempt it if it, you know, was it within my moral compass, if it was in my, within my means, but you know that's what that's what I liked about it. Like I understood where she was coming from. I didn't agree. <laughs> oh yeah, I completely get where she's coming from, but I did not agree with her approach, the way she handled the situation at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely. Yeah, that's that's what I loved about it, and I just really, really dug that episode. Uh, but we're gonna move on to the next one, um, which is titled "Hang the DJ." Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was a very fascinating title. I also don't get the last one, Crocodile, but whatever. Yeah, I did not uh, get the title of it, why it was titled that at all. Yeah, but moving on. Um, so Hang the DJ is a fascinating episode. Um, you know, Josh, I've described each of the other episodes, so why don't you go ahead and describe the next three? Okay. So, well, so go ahead and start with Yeah, the Hang the DJ, uh, you start out with... Uh, these two people, Frank and Amy, they've been paired up by a dating program that puts an ex- a predetermined expiration date on all relationships, uh, and it must be complied with or they are banished from the program. And once they are in it, they begin to question the system's logic as to why are these things happening, why only so much time with this person yet, so much time with this person. And I thought it was really, really interesting. 
Um, but the the first the first couple, Frank and Amy, they they meet and they're like, you know, it's my first time in the system here, mine too. Well, let's see how long we have. And they've got these little round. Uh, they kind of look like a restaurant pager, like when you go out to eat and they give you this thing, and when it flashes, your table's ready. They call it Coach, and they can ask it questions, and it will answer. Uh, they tap it, and they both discover, well, we've got 12 hours together. So they eat dinner, and then they're taken by this um, self-driven carriage to a little uh, a little little house and that's where they're supposed to spend the rest of their predetermined time together whether it's 12 hours as in this case or a period of weeks months or years uh, they have to reside there they don't appear to have day jobs uh, they have things they can do in their leisure time but pretty much it's cohabitating with a person until your time is up and it was really interesting. Uh, I will disagree. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, yeah. So, for me, like, I liked the beginning of it. I was like, oh, where's this going to go? This is really interesting. And then I saw things that they... I, I think they were intentionally trying to show and un unintentionally trying to show where it was like, this is all inside a computer. And it was too, to me, it was too ham-fisted, too, like, on the nose when uh, she was like, what if all this is a simulation and we're, we're supposed to be together and da-da-da-da. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. You literally just told me the ending without, like, directly saying it. Yeah. And I hated that. I hated that so much. I was like, what was the point of that? Was it to lead up to the point when it's discovered? Because I already fucking saw it. Yeah. Like, I hated that. And then, uh, and then the rest of the episode of, like, watching them go through miserable, like, relationship after miserable relationship before doing the ending part, that was so unsatisfactory. Holy crap, that ending was so bad. I understand where you're coming from there. I get it. Yeah, that, that one line, though, the whole, what if this is just a simulation, and you know this is just a test and us defying the system is us passing the test it turns out that ex is exactly what it was and each time that they defied the test was basically a simulation in the algorithm of a dating app and the number of times that they resisted were equated to the percent of the match so in 1000 simulations they defied the system this coupling uh defied the system 998 times so therefore they were a 99.8 percent match and it closes on a shot of both of them looking at their phones and seeing each other and seeing that match and just a big smile across the room at each other i get why that's not fulfilling it just, like I said, it, it appealed to the romantic in me. Knowing that I didn't have to go through um, stupid dating apps and all that online bullshit, that I just, I'm one of the lucky ones. I had to do it the hard way that they referred to, like in the olden days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I, I get why people might enjoy it, but I just, I was so, I don't know, man, like, it just did not, nothing, nothing about it was fun to me. Um, I, well, not nothing, that's not true. There were elements that were fun to me. Um, it just, it, nothing of it, like, I didn't feel anything for it. I felt like the story was told very poorly, very boringly, in my opinion. Also, like, watching them go through a montage of bad relationships, I was like, yeah, hey. Oh, my cool. God. That one, that, that that second one he got paired up with, Nicola. Oh, I was like, well, she is not pleasant at all. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then he looks down a whole year. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like... I feel like the ending could have been better if it was a situation... If it wasn't a dating app. That's what what really, really turned me off. Like, at that point, I was like, this ending was so bad to me that I, I have no interest in the rest of the episode. Um... Because, um, if, like, what I was, what I was thinking that it could have been, uh, sorry, I have people texting me at this exact moment, um, what I was kind of hoping it was, was something of, like, well, it's in the future, so what if, like, it comes to the outside, and it's a it's a machine between a couple who's having a marriage on the rock sort of thing, and these 1,000 simulations is basically their way of rekindling their relationship via whatever program this might be in the future. Um, or for, at the very least, like, that final simulation, the 1,000 simulation was, like, the AI coupling that broke out or some shit. Like, I was hoping for more of a, of a Black Mirror-y, Twilighty Zone sort of thing, but I never got it. I'll get you, I'll get you. I was just like, oh, we just watched the 1000 simulation of a computer program, of a dating app. Yay! <laughs> so. so it just didn't, yeah, it didn't appeal to me. I, I get that, I do. What, what kills me, man, it's just like... You know, early on, before you realize, eh, this is some type of computer simulation, you know, they clearly have lots of chemistry together. And even when they're paired up with these new people and they bump into each other, it's just like, okay, you just want them to defy it because they clearly are so into each other. It's adorable. But... Yeah. I can see where the pay and you know this to me this was one of the weaker episodes. I didn't dislike it. Uh, I didn't dislike any episode. You know, my least favorite was Archangel. This was probably my second least favorite. You know, I I would agree with you for the most part on on like all the episodes. Like I enjoyed all of them, but this one. Like I honestly like. <sighs> I hate to say the word hate, so I'm trying to think of a different word that conveys my distaste for this episode. <laughs> um, I just didn't like it. Like I does it. It wasn't like I. I can see why people would like it. I totally see the romantic angle. I see why that's something that would draw people in. There could be an argument for why I'm totally wrong about the angle of it being. A dating app, and that's why it, you know, it like yada yada. It, 
whatever. Well, I mean, you know, I'm saying you're going to like what you like. You're going to dislike what you dislike, and whatever reasons. I mean, I, the, the storytelling in this was a little on the weaker side. Yeah. So I think that has something to do with it too. I guess. I guess my, my angle. I should. I should say this primarily. There needed to be a big, a stronger human element. There needed to be a much stronger human element. That just wasn't. We literally watched AI for. 20, or for 50 minutes. Yeah. We don't, the first human that we actually saw in the episode was at the end. And I just... I, not happy with it, Josh. I'm not happy with it. That's okay. <laughs> Alright, we're going to move on to Metalhead. Oh, Metalhead. Mm. Arguably the best episode in the series. <laughs> uh, one of... One of the better ones, yes. So go ahead and describe yeah, it. Yeah, this takes place in a post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic landscape of Scotland. In the Moors, uh, this woman, she is attempting to survive um, some type of scavenging operation gone wrong. It opens up with her and two others, uh, Clark and Tony. Her name is Bella. They are on the way to a warehouse to try to retrieve something. And in this post, post-apocalyptic world, there are these creatures that are robotic dogs that track and hunt and kill humans. We don't know why. We're never given the why. But early on, when they're in the warehouse, one of these things finds them... Uh, pretty much exactly where they are looking it's like it was a trap and it sends up this this uh, ballistic mine that explodes in the air and sends out these little razor barbed tracking devices uh, in a 360 degree radius hitting both her and uh, the other person uh, in the warehouse and it has in one of its front legs, one of its legs has a gun. So as it's trying to track her down, it takes its gun leg and blows this other dude's head off. Uh, she gets into the car. She's driving away. The other guy, he's hot wiring a van. He's trying to get away. And as he's pulling out, the dog catches up with a van, jumps in it, kills him. Well, in its other leg, it has the ability to hack into vehicles, and now it's driving this vehicle. So it was very, uh, very Terminator feel. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And the fact that it was done in black and white, completely in black and white, and it comes down to this lady versus this robotic Terminator dog very well done her her the way she was able to convey the fear and terror and emotion that she was feeling was well well done yeah she, she that actress did such an amazing job like i'd like to know what else she's in because the entire time like i was legitimately terrified for her like i was like my anxiety was up a little bit going oh my god is she going to survive this how is she going to survive and when it like the end where it turned out that the tracking razors like called in a bunch of other metalhead dogs or whatever you want to call them 
and she had to kill herself. Yeah. Because she knew she knew if she tried to take the trackers out, she wasn't going to survive anyway. And that if she was to try to run, she might lead the dogs to the other survivors. Yep. So it was like, for me, it was very, this entire story was like, if, um, oh God, who's the guy who did the Alien movie? Why am I drawing a blank on his name? The guy that did the Alien movie, what do you mean? Directed, wrote, what? Yes, directed and wrote. The original? The original. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, thank you. It's like if Ridley Scott and um, uh, George Romero got together and made a a horror movie. Hmm. Uh, or a horror story. Uh, and I say that because like a lot of the black and white elements, the the angles that were took in terms of, of how the horror sto- the horror stuff was shot on top of like um, tense moments where uh, certain angles or certain things are being shown to you while other things are not seemed very alien-esque and very like survival against the dead-esque. Yeah. Like it just it just reminded me of that very strongly and I, I loved that. God, I loved that. It was so Oh, good. There's a moment in this show where the dog is still searching for her because she has the right. She has. She's in a house. While she's in the house, she's searching for the keys. She realizes because she's in a room full of like dead animal heads, um, stuffed animal heads, I should say, trophies, if you will, that there's got to be a shotgun or some other kind of weapon in the house. She goes upstairs and it's two people who are laying in bed who've clearly committed suicide. And um, the guy is holding a shotgun. Yeah, she had and found the shotgun shells too downstairs too. Yeah. And uh, um, that entire scene where she's dealing with like the grossness of a dead body, both smell and visual, the fact that she has to touch it in order to get the shotgun... Um, and search it and find the car keys. Yeah, yeah, just like, yeah. Like, she has to, yeah, it's nasty. It's nasty, and it's so well shot. Because they don't show the bodies up close. Not once. If they show something up close, it's like the hip of the body or the hand. Yeah, you don't see the destroyed remains of a head. It was done in a way and filmed in a way and shot in a way to where... And her acting ability to portray what somebody would go through in that moment. Very well done. Yep. I was I was very well I was very impressed by this episode and I mean it's my favorite episode of the season, honestly. It's it's like I could watch this one again and be totally happy, but I think the, the most It was probably my second favorite. But I'm cur- did we already talk about your favorite? No. Okay. Okay, interesting. All right, mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I, I uh, yes. Okay, we'll we'll get to that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, the the fact though, this dog did. She thought she was safe in this house, and this dog, it's wounded at this point. You know, she's dug the tracker out of her leg, floated it down the stream in a bottle. She figured, ah, okay, that dog's not going to find me now, but it did. Um. Uh, and it was able to hack into and open the fence. And she didn't close the front door of the house. It just walks on in. 
takes its wounded, damaged leg, wounded leg, its damaged leg, and just attaches <laughs> a kitchen knife to it. And now instead of a gun leg, it's got a knife leg that spins like a drill. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, it. That like, was, it was so te- cool. She hits it. Yeah, she hits it with a bunch of paint. Yeah. Which totally knocks out any visual sensors it could possibly have. So now it's going purely on sound. And, and so it thinks it hears it at this wall and then just goes up to it, just like drills into the wall. And I was like, like that moment that that happened, I was like, holy shit, that's, that's really deadly. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a concrete wall and it's taking out big chunks of fucking concrete at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when she uh, runs and start, tries to start the car and it, the, the radio starts playing and draws it outside, that's when she has her showdown with it and she shoots it in the face. And she manages to disable it, but as she is disabling it, it sends up one of those tracker mines, and it goes off, and she catches one in the cheek. And when she's going to try to dig it out, and she realizes it's going to be painful, she looks, and that's when she sees another one, and it is right on top of her jugular. So if she removed it, it was going to kill her. She would have bled to death. Well, see, and that's... And here's the thing, is I think that... I think there's two factors to this. Because I don't think... I think she could have dug out that tracker without killing herself. I think she could have done it and then uh, survived via patching herself up. Mm. Um, Hard to say, but it was in a very awkward location, but yeah. I like to think she killed herself out of, like, protection of the other humans, protection of, of, uh, or like, you know, her not not having to deal with these dogs anymore. Um... I don't personally think she killed herself because that tracker was in her throat. I just think that she was like, well, fuck it at this point. Hmm. So It's hard to say. I don't know. Like, it's hard to say, and that's that's another thing I love about it. Like, We could discuss that until we're blue in the face, too. Because she doesn't say directly. She's not talking to anybody. She just says goodbye on a radio and then, well, offs herself. Yeah, hoping that they can and, hear her. And you, don't, you also don't see it. You also don't see the death. No. Like, the camera pans... Like, that's what I love about the last shot, yeah, by it, the way, that it, I, I thought was so beautiful, was it pans away from her as she's coming to terms with the killing herself. And um, and then it goes outside, and you see more dogs being tracked uh-huh. to that tracker that's in her throat. But then it carries then on, it goes, yeah. Yeah, it goes all the way to the warehouse. And at the beginning, you're like, what's in this crate? It's got to be medicine, right? Like, something that's going to help. It turned out to be a crate of teddy bears. Yeah, and they say... We know he's dying. She's like, yeah, but what we're going after will make it easier for his final days. Teddy bear for a little boy. Yep. Wow. I mean, I that's fucking loved this episode. It's the saddest episode by far, but it's also the best episode by far. It, uh, I mean, the things you'll do for the people that you love, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was heavy. It was heavy. It was super heavy. It was very, in, right, very so, enjoyable, though. So very enjoyable, it, like incredibly enjoyable. Like again, my favorite episode of the season. All right, so we're gonna move on to the next one, Black Museum, and I'm gonna leave it to you, Josh, to describe that episode. All right, and this one would be my favorite episode, actually. Uh, but Black Museum starts out. That's my second favorite. <laughs> I hear you. Starts out, you see this girl. Her name's Nish. She's driving down a highway uh, in the desert in America. Don't know the exact location, uh, but she stops at this abandoned gas station. She puts her 
car on charge with a solar panel that she folds out onto the trunk and puts it on charge, looks down, see she's got three hours to charge, looks at this building next door, and you see an image, and it says, uh, Rollo Haynes, Black Museum, world famous. So she walks over, and uh, this guy comes to the door and says, oh, you're here for the tour. And it's a museum of criminological artifacts, which is very interesting. Because apparently all these artifacts that are on display in this museum are things that have been in each season and each episode of Black Mirror. I've never watched Black Mirror before this season, so I only recognize the ones from season four. I recognized yeah, was, I um, recognized the DNA replication box and the lollipop from the Callister episode. I recognized so the bathtub from Crocodile. Yeah, like uh, you, did you remember that bee that she saw for like a second? Yeah, that's from epi- that's from the last episode of season three. Okay, and there's a couple other ones. Like I know the director came out and said that there's a little bit. Uh, in this episode from each episode of Black Mirror, or at least each episode of season three and four. Okay. But I don't, like, I'd have to, like, find something where somebody found all of it, but continue. Yeah. But, basically, um, you know, this Rolo guy, who, man, total corny. Total corny. In the best way. Uh, you know, his portrayal just loved his smarmy attitude uh his fascination with the creepy and bizarre and the macabre the macabre yes he uh he's just telling stories of these particular artifacts and the first one he's talking about is a neural implant the world's first neural implant who there was a doctor who was had horrible mortality rates with his patients and he happened to work in the research and development recruitment department for this one medical um, med tech field he's like hey doc I got I got what I, I got the cure for what ails you so to speak it's this neural implant that's implanted into the head behind the ear uh, and by interfacing it allows this uh, some type of hat to be placed on a patient and through the neural implant the doctor could feel all the pain feel exactly what the patient was feeling with none of the consequences so he could use it to diagnose his patients which is a fascinating ingenious thing it's like okay now I know where they're hurting. I know what to look for. Let's test it. Confirm it. And all of a sudden, he is super doctor. It's going great. Until he... Um, what was it that caused it? A power outage or something like that? The patient... For which, which one? The, the doctor's neural implant. What caused the malfunction in it that caused him to desire the pain? 
Oh, I think it just happened. Like it wasn't it wasn't anything that malfunctioned. It was uh Yeah, he just got uh, to where he needed the pain. He wanted the pain. Yeah, like uh she stepped on a lake yeah. or some or something like yeah, that. Yeah, an electrical like, outlet Whoa. plug, yeah. And he loved the pain. He started yeah. But it's like he started staying him plugged in too long to a patient and it let a patient die. And then when they were trying to shock a patient back to life, he had it on and that caused it to backfire and he went sadistic. And they pulled him off the project and took it away from him. So he started self-mutilating just so he could feel the pain and get the pleasure from the pain again. Oh, it was wonderfully disturbing. Yeah. It, the, the What he looked like at the end was horrifying. Yeah. You'd see he's clipped his Achilles... You know, severed his Achilles tendon, like, you know, shaving his skin off with a straight razor and pulling his teeth with pliers. Ugh. Sadistic, man. Masochist. But the second artifact she looked at was this little monkey. And the sad story behind that monkey. This young couple met and fell in love. And the quote that he used... (laughs) <laughs> he's like you know eventually he dick pukes a little baby paste up her wazoo that took hold <laughs> yeah. pukes a little baby paste was easily the funniest thing i've heard that whole day yeah so congrats to this episode. yeah yeah that was it was pretty funny uh they have a child and they're happy she's trying to take a picture she's backing up to get a better picture she gets hit by a truck and boom she's in a coma well, here we go. Rollo Haynes and MedTech comes down and sees this couple's plot. He's like, what if I were to tell you there's a way to transfer her consciousness into a living vessel? Her body will die. Her organs would be harvested, but she will live on. He's like, how do we do it? And he's like, we put her in your head. Seems like a great idea. What better way to be connected to the person you love the most? Have them inside your head, right? Well, that's a terrible idea, it turns out, because, you know, you ever wanted an unwanted backseat driver there all the time? (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, uh, he's trying to move on and live his life, but she's living inside his head. She is interfering with that and throwing fits, and he finds out there's a way he can put her on pause. Yeah. And... Um. I got you, I got you. <laughs> uh, basically, they transfer her consciousness to a um, stuffed monkey. And the only way she can emote is hit a button on the inside to say, Monkey loves you or monkey needs a hug. Gives it to her son. She can still feel the hugs because of haptic feedback. But, nope. He just abandons her and she's forgotten about, which is sad. But the main attraction, though, this was the thing. It took the uh, the previous two experiments and allowed to make a digital holographic copy of a serial killer, serial killer, and having him permanently be on display, and he could still feel the pain 
of his electrocution and people got to reenact that and then they would get these little keychains of him being electrocuted in the moment and it was a big draw until somebody electrocuted the guy too long and then he was just kind of vegetative and that's where the interesting twist comes in this girl who's come to see this turns out is the daughter of this guy and she's getting it's a revenge plot and she's going to free her father's memory and in fact get revenge on Rollo Haynes for causing all this because he didn't care by the way he was talking about what happened to the serial killer he's like nobody gave a shit his family didn't care he didn't realize that this is his daughter it turns out the mother is in the consciousness of the daughter and they're in on this they cook this up together and they put Rollo they kill Rollo and by poisoning him they extract his consciousness download it into the cell download him inside of the prisoner uh, the serial killer who his name I can't think of his name off the top of my head I'm wanting to say it doesn't matter right now they electrocute him and kill both of their consciousness and then she's got Rolo in this little uh, keychain screaming in his final moments perfect revenge plot twisted and dark and I enjoyed every second of it <laughs> yeah I completely agree with everything you just said like it, it was it was very fun to get three different stories that all accumulated into this revenge story that we get very very little of technically um, but get a lot of at the same time um, the way it was told was like it kept you enthralled the entire episode and it was fascinating oh absolutely um, and uh yeah, that's why it's my second favorite episode. I was, I mean, the the ending was so satisfying. <laughs> it was so like, when, I was like, yay! When you see revenge. that just comeuppance, that deserved comeuppance of somebody that is so reviling. Like, yeah, like after the second story, I just kept thinking like, this Rolo guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I just kept thinking that, and I was like, I wonder what's gonna happen. What's gonna go? Like, I, I, oh my god, it was so good. It was so good. Um. But, uh, but yeah, so, guys, that is all four, or all six episodes of Black Mirror Season 4. Um, and uh, we're not going to rate them, we're not going to do that, but we are going to give a recommendation for the season overall. Um, I'm going to do that real quick. Yeah. Uh, my, my recommendation is a strong recommendation. Sure, you have to sit through a couple of stories that you might not enjoy. I think Archangel, Crocodile, and Hang the DJ are the weakest of the, of the, of the six, but they're not bad. They are enjoyable. And hell, you might disagree with me entirely. Um, you might enjoy them a lot more than I did. Especially Hang the DJ. <laughs> I mean, if you liked that one a little bit, you liked it more than I did. Um, but I think that Black Mirror is definitely the type of show that is intended to be dark. It's intended to be miserable. To showcase some dark storylines that maybe wouldn't have got the light of day otherwise but everything's based around technology too that's what black mirror i mean the the name black mirror literally means a screen that's turned off uh because everything that you own when it's off becomes a black mirror da 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 da, da. hey <laughs> um but uh i absolutely love black mirror i think it's a very clever show like i said it's Twilight Zone with technology, and I couldn't be happier that it's still going, and that this season got a lot of praise, and people adored it, so we're getting a season five. 
Um, so yeah, it's a strong recommendation for me. Josh? I give it a strong recommend, too. I had uh, no knowledge of Black Mirror. I had heard of it, never seen it, and just watched this season only. And out of the six episodes, I enjoyed four of them very, very much. And two just kind of, okay, those are all right. But still, overall, check it out. It's like a modern day, in the near future, Twilight Zone. I really like it. Uh, Cool. All right, so now that we've done that... um, I normally right here would tell you the next two episodes we are going to watch. But here's where our special announcement comes. And I'm going to let Josh tell it. All right. Uh, as you guys know, uh, we're wanting to take this show in a new direction. We wanted to make it more of our own. And one of the things that I decided to do was to reach out to see if we could get a special guest. So, uh, one week from today, next Friday... We're going to have another episode. We're not going to be two weeks because next week we're only covering one show. That show is The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. Uh, And then we will also be having an interview with the creator of the show, Mr. Brian Volkweiss himself, is going to be on the show giving us an interview. So we'll have our first, uh, first real official guest. And I couldn't be more excited than I am yeah, at this both, opportunity. We're both, yeah, we're both incredibly like amped for this, and we both we both put a Josh more than me by a long shot, but we both put hours into making sure this works and we get this right. Um, not only is this a great opportunity for the podcast, but it's a great opportunity for us. Um, and I. I could be more thankful that Josh is, you know, my, my partner in this show and that and that he's put the effort and work into getting this done. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the structure of the, the episode is going to be the uh, the review and then the interview. Um, but uh, but yeah, guys, it's 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 for real. It's happening, and uh, it feels good to actually fun. be able to officially announce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the official announcement. Uh, I, I've let it leak a little bit on some things that I probably shouldn't have. Uh, but also, I go by the mantra, fuck it. Um, so there's that problem. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but this is the official announcement. Uh, Brian Volkweiss. Is it Weiss? Yeah. It's Brian Volkweiss. Yeah, Brian Volkweiss. I keep, say, well, I keep wanting to say Weiss. Yeah. The German in me goes like, say Weiss. It's Weiss. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, also, Josh and I have both already watched Toys That Made Us. Uh, and we are also very excited to talk about that, too. So there's that. Yeah. And um, since we've already seen it and our interview is scheduled for um, Tuesday, uh, it gives us some downtime. We don't have to watch anything this time. Yeah. The, yeah. So so next week, so you're basically getting this episode. You're going you're gonna to have this episode Friday. And then you're going to have the... Toys that made us an interview next Friday, and then after that it'll be another two weeks. Uh, two weeks before the episode, so the schedule is going to be a little bit wonky, but that's because we're excited about this and it needs to happen. Um, but that being said, guys, we're going to end the show right here. 
Um, Josh, where can they follow you on the internet? They can follow me at nsabanur1976. That is E-N-S-A-B-A-H-N-U-R-1976 on Twitter. And I also have a Twitch channel where they can follow along and come hang out at twitch.tv slash nsabanur76. Same spelling. Fantastic. Do you plan on any, uh streams following the Friday when this is uploaded? You know what? I think I will. I think uh, I think that Saturday we might have to do some Jackbox gaming. It remains to be seen. Okay. But it will be announced on Twitter. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so go follow Josh on Twitter, guys. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at ChubRockGeek. Uh, that's where you'll see a lot of announcements that I do. Um, I'm currently still doing stuff with Mission Star Podcast where this you know, entire podcast started. Uh, Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I do a uh, video game news podcast with Anthony, my co-host. Um, we do a pre-show and a post-show, so it's kind of fun. But we basically just discuss the week in, in gaming news. And then Thursday nights, I also do a thing with him where he plays a game and then I watch a screen capture of it <laughs> from my house and make fun of him being terrible at said game. Or just make fun of the game as a whole. I'm not sure which yet, but that's that's my job. I'm leaning. Uh, so that's something. I'm leaning more on the side of making fun of Anthony. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm down for both. <laughs> but uh, but uh, if that's something sounds like you're into, go check that out at uh, Twitch.tv/missionstartp. Um, uh, I think that's it, guys. Again, please follow us. Please follow this podcast on Twitter at Cued Up Podcast. Follow us on Facebook. Search for Cued Up Podcast. Or, I'm sorry, All Cued Up Podcast. Um, uh, you know, if if, uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, or if you're listening to this uh, on something, I don't know. iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on what I was going to say is, if you're listening to this on something that is not your preferred podcast space, please note that we are on Podbean. Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. That's what I was trying to say, Josh. Yeah. But no, you had to... <laughs> well, you know, I just wanted to make sure. But guys, <laughs> wherever you listen to us, subscribe, please. Give us a rating. Give us a good rating. We like those five-star ratings. Leave us a nice little review, something you like. But all feedback is appreciated. Yes, absolutely. Um, even if it's uh, constructive, we will, we, we will take everything... Uh, at face value and try to uh, make this show as better as, as much jeez I can't talk suddenly we'll try to make this show the best it can be thank you guys for listening so much we appreciate your continued support and uh, please come back next Friday for the interview with uh, Brian Volk Weiss take care everybody <laughs>